bless you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Would you take your seats? Thank you. What a great honor and great privilege. I just want to just give a uh, special thank you to Pastor Tark for giving me this invitation today. Um, I, uh, I've already met Scott, uh, Pastor Scott here. We actually, in it, uh, Sam, sorry, Sam Scott. Oh my goodness. I got it right. I got it right in the first service, yeah. So, but where we met was in Canada. And of all places in Canada, preaching and ministering to people from Egypt. Isn't that bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> but God opens up some tremendous doors. And so I love catching up with him there. And uh, it was uh, just a really good time. That's a couple of years ago now. And uh, other things have been happening since then. But uh, we, we, we love serving God. In fact, the heart of this house is very similar to ourselves and our own church there in Melbourne. And uh, in, in Melbourne, we've got a heart for, uh, you know, for reaching out. And I know you do. You've got a kingdom heart in this church. I can see that in your pastor when we talk together. And, uh, and, and one of the things that we're very involved in, as you've already heard, is that we, we engage uh, across different nations. Uh, just come back from the Philippines. We had a great opportunity there to do a conference in a city of a million people where the, the mayor and the, and the governor invited us in. They're just incredible doors open up. We had a venue of 10,000 seats and they gave it to us for free. And they said, you can come back anytime. So we are. We're going to go back again as well and take that opportunity. The next trip that we're doing is to India and Pakistan. And so we're looking forward to that. And next year is a whole stack of places as well. So I'm, I'm into going where you can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Yeah. I love a church called Equip Church International, but I love the church even more. Yeah. And so it's great actually helping and, and getting involved in different ways like this. Just coming back to what you shared, Pastor Tark, about the community works that we're doing in our own location. And we, we try to encourage other churches to do the same. I'll just give one quick little story. Um, I was visiting with one of the guys in our church who had got saved. And his mum was dying and she was in a coma at hospital. He said, Pastor Mal, can you come and visit with me? And can you pray for mum? I said, yep, I'm there. So we got there. We could only have two people in ICU at the same time. So we we're about to walk in. And he said, Pastor Mal, I just need to warn you. When you have to go back out into the waiting room, my sister is going to be there. And she hates the church. And she really doesn't like ministers as well. I thought, praise God, that's fantastic. <laughs> so he just said, I'm just giving you a heads up. So I thought, well, that's a challenge. So when I'm going out to, uh, to the waiting room after I prayed for his mum, and I sat down, and there was only the two of us, and I said, how are you going? So you're, uh, you know, such and such as, you know, um, uh, sister. Uh, she said, yes. I said, so um, uh, what, do you, what do you do for a living? So I just thought, I've got to launch out somewhere. And she says, oh, I, I head up a childcare center. I said, oh, that's a coincidence. I said, we have an organization that helps train people to go into childcare centers. And this was her response to me. She says, I know. Um, in fact, two of your graduates work for me in my daycare center, and they are the best. They're fantastic. You know what? We got on like a house on fire. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, I wasn't someone just trying to preach at her, but I was someone that actually she should connect with, and there was something we were doing that actually had a connection with her. But anyway, enough about that. <laughs> 
Once again, it's a great privilege to be here. There's so many things which are very similar to your heart, as I say here. In fact, the mutual person who has introduced me to you as a church and to your pastor is Pastor Bruce Hills. And I know he has spoken here on other occasions as well. Good friend of ours and shares a mutual passion for the things of God as well. The other thing I've noticed is that you're involved in this prayer um, where you're going around your city. Uh, coincidentally, we've done something similar just recently where people have gone to the various gates of our city and have walked all the streets of the city, and we've been praying for our city as well. We believe in prayer. In fact, I know your pastor believes in prayer because I've discovered he preaches a lot about prayer. And uh, today, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm preaching about prayer, and I'm coming after the man who knows prayer better than anybody, but here we go anyway. I want to preach today about authority in prayer, because God wants us to understand the authority that we have in God. But I give you, I give you greetings from Equip Church International in Melbourne. We've been there for 28 years now. In fact, uh, it's the only church I've ever pastored, and I'm guessing it'll be the only church I ever do pastor. <laughs> Uh, before that, um, my wife and I would come from Adelaide, and in Adelaide, uh, I, that was all my non-Christian years. We got married, then I went to Bible college. I got, uh, I got saved at 21 years of age. That's another thing we got in common with Pastor Tark as well. He got saved at 21, I got saved at 21. I had no Christian background whatsoever. And in fact, the guy that led me to the Lord, his name is Harry Van Milt. Now, um, as a young man, I didn't know anything about the things of God. And uh, the, re the reason I met Harry Van Milt is because he got radically saved and he was an instructor in a martial arts club. I happened to be one of his instructors, one of his trainers in this martial arts club. I, I, I don't know, I, I enjoyed doing that. I had a second Dan black belt in, uh, in a style called Kempo Sakajindo. <laughs> That's how you say it. Kempo Sakajindo. And I don't know, for some reason, I, I sort of, you know, took to that. I would come to the club and, you know, the door would be locked. And you could hear inside that Harry and a few Christian friends would be praying. And I don't know why, because I'm a peaceful person, but I would feel angry while I was standing at the door. Because for me, it was like, I don't know why, but I just felt stirred in myself. Anyway, the day came when he said, I want you to come around my house, Malcolm. And, and myself and my brother and a couple of the other trainers, because I want to do some training with you at my house. So we go to his house on a Friday night. I remember it was the 16th of March, and this is going back a long way, 1976. I, sorry. Yeah, I, I know I'm old. <laughs> some of you are saying, I wasn't even born in 1976. You are so old. But I went to his house. And what he did is said, I think he lined all of this up because on the same night he had a prayer meeting in his house. And he started witnessing to him. And this is witnessing to us. And this is how he witnessed to us. Jesus is coming back again. And you better be ready or you're going to hell. Okay, sign me up. <laughs> now, there was, a, there was an incredible thing that God did on that night. And I gave my heart to the Lord on that night. And, uh, and so uh, as part of this sort of club, you know, I didn't know anything about anything. I, I didn't even know, like, is a Christian supposed to do martial arts? I've got no idea, you know. But all I know is that what God had given to me, I started to share with other people as well in my life. 
But the first, the first time I ever had a miracle in my life was with Harry. It was in this same little prayer group. Now I was part of the group. First time I ever sat down in that group, he says, if any, does anybody need prayer? And I remember thinking to myself, well, I've got, real, I've got a lot of pain in my foot. So when we would do a martial arts, you know, if I would kick somebody and it would actually connect with them, I would hurt myself. And so I said, I need prayer. And so he laid hands on my, on my foot. I had no idea what to expect. I had no expectations or whatever. He just said, you know, we want to pray for you. As he laid his hand on my foot and he started to pray, I felt this pulsating heat going through my foot. Yeah. And you know what? When he prayed for me, my foot was totally healed. Yeah. I mean, every bit of pain was gone, never came back again, ever in my foot. And, and I was radically introduced to this idea that when you pray, miracles can happen. And when we talk about the authority that we have in prayer, I want you to know that your prayers are powerful and effective. And God listens to your prayers and God wants to do amazing miracles. Can I hear an amen to that today? But you know, as a newborn believer, now for the first 12 months I never went to church, but I finally went to church. I'd been engaged to be married and uh, that busted up. I went to this church and first, you know, this first church I ever went to, I walked, I walked through the doors, and this was a really good church. There were two girls to every boy. Now that's a good church. Amen? Two girls, not if you're a girl, obviously, but two girls to every boy. And so my wife, Karen, was actually, when I got to that church, engaged to be married herself. What's with all these engagements going on? And she was 16 years of age. That's ridiculous. That's almost illegal, isn't it? <laughs> but, but her relationship busted up. Uh, I tried to get away from her, but, you know, it, we got together. We got married. We've now got three children. We've got five grandchildren. I love having grandchildren. How many grandparents out there today who loves grandkids? Most days. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a little bit about my story, but let's get into this. Let's get into this message. Now, one of the things when I was a new believer, I didn't know how to pray. Had no idea. So I remember the very first time in the church that I was in where they gave me an opportunity to pray. I stood up to pray. And I, pr- I gave it my best, my, my best go. I prayed, and, and, and then everyone had a greetings time. And I had this guy in the church who was like an elder in the church. He came up to me and says, Malcolm, I just want you to know when you were praying that you said the word Lord 16 times. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't even know I said the word Lord 16 times. You know, and, and it was a bit embarrassing because, you know, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Now, I, I'm going to show you a little, YouTube right, a little YouTube right now about a guy, a bit of a comedian, who talks about the first time of praying in church. Let's have a look at that. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. You want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. (laughs) Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not... I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. Praying. 
She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek, S is a search, E is in everywhere, E is an excellent, K is in kingdom. <laughs> you are the Alpha, Nisi, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. Now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just gotta obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because. You know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly, amen. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. You know, the Bible talks about different types of prayer. There's uh, communion, supplication, intercession, spiritual warfare, prayers of agreement, watchmen, being a watch, watching and praying. Thanksgiving prayers. You know, there's so much the Bible has to say about how we pray. I mean, my favorite prayer is the one where it's just me and Jesus together talking in the morning. Yeah. You know, there's something very powerful about the relationship that we have with God. And, uh, but I'm not talking so much about just that relational prayer that we have today, about the prayer that we can pray, which actually can see the miraculous take place. I want to talk about how we exercise our authority in prayer. I want to talk about how we make a difference in prayer because some of us don't necessarily know how to pray or, or maybe we, we pray prayers that we, we wonder why is there not an answer and sometimes it's because of the way we're praying or the way that we're approaching prayer. Number one, when you pray, you cannot, under any circumstance, you cannot change God's mind. Sometimes we think like, if I just press in a little bit more, if I just use bigger words, if I pray longer, if my prayer sounds better, if I don't use the word Lord quite so many times, that somehow I'll get the attention of God and I'll be able to change his mind. The reality is it is impossible to change the mind of God. In fact, the Bible says this, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. We read that in Numbers 23 verse 19. In 1 Samuel 15 29 it says, he does not lie or change his mind. He doesn't lie or change his mind. God won't change his mind. But the reality is we see stories in the Bible where it looks like that somebody is changing the mind of God. You think about Abraham and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like God says, I'm going to destroy these two cities. So Abraham comes in to negotiate with God. So basically he said, but what if there's you know, 20 righteous? What if there's 10 righteous? Well, you know, and he goes through this whole process. And God says, well, okay, if there's 20, yeah, yeah. If there's 15, if there's 10, you know, yeah, I won't destroy Sodom. And, we, and it almost appears like that Abraham's being successful in his negotiation with God. The reality is this. God still destroyed Sodom. 
You know, if we could understand the principle, it's not so much about trying to get God to do something he doesn't want to do, but actually if we approach prayer on the basis of asking God to do something he wants to do, then actually you're going to be very successful in your prayers. I've got, I got to give you a little funny story, right? This little funny story is about a little Italian boy. Have we got any Italians in the house here today? Anyone Italian? Thank you very much. Very good. Thank you for pizza. We really love you for that. <laughs> this little boy's name is Giuseppe. And it's uh, three or four months before Christmas like it is now. And little Giuseppe's getting ready. Now, he decides, you know, he's not going to send a letter off to Father Christmas. You know, he's, he's not going to ask his mum and dad for what he wants for Christmas. He's going directly to the top. He's going to Jesus. He's a good little Roman Catholic boy. So he sits in his office, uh, sorry, in his, not his office, in his bedroom, sits at his little desk, he's got his little piece of paper, and he decides he's going to write a letter to Jesus. So he starts a letter like this. A dear baby Jesus, if I'm a good boy for three months, can I have a BMX a bicycle for, for Christmas? He thinks about it, says, screws up the painter, nah. Starts again, fresh piece of paper. A dear baby Jesus, if I'm a good boy for a one a month, can I have the BMX a bicycle for Christmas? And uh, ah, nah. throws the piece of paper in the bin. So then he goes over to his bed and he takes his pillow and he takes the pillowcase off his pillow and he tucks it underneath his arm. And then he goes out into the lounge room. You know, and, and in the lounge room is a shelf there above the fireplace and there's a beautiful statue of the Mother Mary. He looks over his shoulder like this. And then he takes the statue off the, the mantelpiece, stuffs it into his pillowcase, puts it under his arm, and creeps his way back to his bedroom. And now he, now he opens up the bottom drawer. He puts the pillowcase with the statue in it and tucks it to the back of the drawer, sits back at his little writing desk, gets out a new piece of paper, and he starts to write again. Oh, dear baby Jesus, if you ever want to see your mama again, I want a BMX bicycle for Christmas. Good little mafia kid right there in the making. It's impossible to change God's mind. But we need to understand a few principles when it comes to what the Word of God has got to say about praying in authority. Firstly, we need to understand the authority that we have as men and women, what authority God has actually given to us. And to understand this, you have to go back to the garden. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says this, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have authority. Let them have dominion over the earth. He gave us authority over every living thing through Adam and Eve. It was confirmed in Psalm 115 verse 16, where it says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. The highest heavens belong to God, but he says, the earth and dominion over the earth and authority over the earth I have given to man. But we know that Adam and Eve, they sinned. And by sinning and by being deceived by the serpent, they actually gave their authority to the devil himself. And so uh, we read about that in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. I think it's very important when we consider this principle that when you have authority, do not give your authority away. There are relationships and circumstances in life where it's easy to give our authority away. Yeah. I have a relative in my life, a guy from Adelaide in Australia, 
And this guy went into business. He's a Christian man, went into business with a non-Christian man, and the actual non-Christian person virtually has destroyed his company and his business. He gave authority away he should never have given away. Sometimes in marriage we do it. We give authority to someone else. Once again, in a similar scenario where a wife might be a a God-serving person, a God-loving person, and the husband says, you will not go to church. I, 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 I will not allow this and whatever. We do not give authority away to somebody to dictate whether we should love God or not. And we've got to be careful in a lot of areas, a lot of arenas in our life, that we don't give away the control of our, of our personal relationship with God, of what God has invested into us. And you could apply this to so many different areas in life. Now, this is why Satan could boast when he was tempting Jesus in the desert. The scripture says, he led Jesus to a high place and showed him the kingdoms of the world. And he said this in Luke 4, 4 to 6. I will give you, speaking the devil to Jesus, I will give you all their authority. He's saying it to Jesus, the Son of God. He's saying, I will give you all of man's authority, all the kingdoms of the world authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. It wasn't given to him by God. It was given to him by man. Because man had dominion and authority in the earth. And I can, he said to Jesus, I can give it to anyone I want to. Now, it's obviously he was, he, there was a trade in this, if that he gave Jesus king of the world, if Jesus accepted this, effectively Jesus would have been given true authority to, to Satan himself. You see, there's a reason why there's evil in the world today. The reason there is evil in the world is not because God is in control or, or, or God is responsible for every earthquake that happens for that car accident you might have, or the death of a loved one. You know, God is not responsible for all these things. He gave authority to us to pray and believe. We gave it away to the devil. The devil is responsible for the atrocities that are happening on this planet at this time, not God. Let's have a look at Jesus. Let's have a look at Jesus. Now, God could not go back on his word, but had another solution. So he sent Jesus Christ to earth. Now, listen to this, not as God, but as man. You see, by Jesus coming to earth as man, and Jesus had never submitted to temptation from the devil. He had never sinned. And so therefore, what had happened to Adam and Eve did not apply to him. And so that is why we celebrate at Christmas time, Jesus being born as a baby, as a, as a human being, you know, fully man, anything Jesus could do, we can do because he is a man. He, he acted out of faith, not out of his divinity, but as a person. He is, a, he is a, um, uh, someone that we can look at, look at as an example for how we can live and how we can do life. So Jesus was God's solution. So he sent Jesus to earth as man. Because Jesus never submitted to Satan, he did not come under his authority. As a man, he was able to take back the authority God had given man in the first place. Hebrews 2.14. Through death, he destroyed him who had the power of death. And then we have a look at Colossians 2.13 to verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. By Jesus dying upon the cross, 
He took back the authority that we had lost and he gave it back to us again. That is why when Jesus Christ himself left the planet, when he was preparing and he was handing over to his church, to us, to continue the work, now remember Jesus was going about doing incredible miracles. People were being raised from the dead. Blind eyes were being healed. Deaf people were being healed. There was amazing things that were going on. I mean, even, even the miracles of, of multiplication of fish and loaves, all the things that happened. And when Jesus is passing all of this on to us, he said, greater works than I have done, you shall do also. Because he was acting in the authority given to man. And he's saying, you should act in this authority as well. So when you pray, miracles can happen. That's because of Authority. That is because of what has been given. So Jesus always had authority in heaven. Now he had authority on earth. An authority not given back to God, but passed on to us. That authority is for us to operate in. Jesus died on the cross to recover stolen authority for us, in other words. Now let's have a look at the principle of prayer now. Prayer. I want to restate this in another way. God has given authority over the earth to mankind. Despite man stuffing things up, God keeps his word so he will not act on earth without getting permission from a human with legitimate authority on earth. And this is a very important principle. Let's put up a a statement up here. It says this, God will not act on earth unless a human gives him permission to act. Have you ever thought this through? Why does God want us to pray? Why doesn't just God go around doing good things for us? And sometimes that's what we expect should be happening. If I'm a good person, good things will happen in my life. Actually, no, it's not like that. It's not about being a good person. It's about about being a faith-filled person. It's about someone who believes God and sees God at work. I I remember the story in the Bible. Jesus and the disciples are walking along. They walk past, past a blind man. And as they walk past a blind man, Jesus totally ignores the blind man. And as he goes past the blind man, says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus keeps walking. What's with Jesus walking past a need, pain and hurt, walking past? The disciples said, Jesus, there's a blind man. You need to do something about this. You know, they know he could do miracles, but he keeps walking. He calls out again. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and he turns around and he looks at a blind man who is blind and he says, what do you want? Hey, you think about it. Need alone does not attract God's attention. But faith always attracts his attention. God is looking across the earth for people with faith. So he turned to the blind man and says, what do you want? He said, finally, the blind man spoke it out. I want to be healed. I want to be healed from my blindness. He says, be healed. Are we praying? Are we believing God? Are we just waiting for God to do something? God's waiting for us to do something. That's the reality, reality of it. In fact, John Wesley said this. Have a listen to this. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. God is not acting on the earth just on his own. He gave us authority. And by us praying, then it activates God to work in our midst. 
Let me give you another one. Andrew Murray, he said this, we must believe that God in the mystery of prayer has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth. That is powerful. Another saying, prayer is finding out God's will and giving him authority to do it. Maybe it's a different way of looking at it, but this is the reality of praying with authority. I don't know what you're believing for right now, but are you praying or are you just hoping? So what is the will of God concerning you? Is sickness the will of God? Is drug dependency the will of God? Is demon possession the will of God? Is a secular society the will of God? For this nation. I tell you, I don't believe it's the will of God for New Zealand. I don't believe it's the will of God for Australia. And I'll give you a scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if they will pray with authority, then, if they will pray, then I will hear from heaven. Listen to that. Then I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I am so blessed to be in a church that believes in prayer. I'm so blessed to be in a church that doesn't just, you know, relegate pr- you know, prayer off to a side room somewhere. But I'm blessed to be in a church today that believes that God listens to prayer and God responds to prayer and miracles can happen. Amen. When you say to God, I can't do something, I'm weak. You've given your authority away. I know this today. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. All things through Christ which strengthens me. God is so good. Amen. When I was a young man, I was afraid of my own shadow. (laughs) Some of you probably the same. I say, but you were second damn black belt. Yeah, I know, I know. But you know, you can be a second damn black belt and have, still have fear in your life. Yeah. Remember as a kid one day, if you, you've probably got these stories too. I'm laying in my bed this, this night and the sun's just coming up, you know, and sometimes the light just starts to filter through the room. I'm laying there and all of a sudden, as a little kid, didn't know God, all of a sudden my sheet ripped off of me like that. I freaked out. I figured at that time, as I didn't know any better, if I just keep my eyes closed... I'll be okay. When I finally opened up my eyes, I noticed what had happened. My sheet had a little rip, a little hole in it, and my toe had caught in that hole. And I had done one of these sort of weird things, you know, in the morning. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I remember even when I was doing martial arts, my mum asked me to go and take the rubbish down the backyard. I remember walking down the backyard. That's where you used to have your rubbish bin down there. I'm going down there. And I put the rubbish in and I turn around and I'm starting to go back to the house. And all of a sudden I thought, something's behind me. And I, I'm getting faster and faster. And I'm racing to the door, smashing my way through the door. It's all right, I was safe. Nothing hurt me. When I was a young man, I could not speak without stammering. In fact, when I, when I would introduce myself, this is how I'd introduce myself, Pastor Tuck, I'd go... My name is Malcolm. And then I got also an M for McLeod as well. Oh my goodness, it was terrible trying to speak. When I, became, when I came to the Lord, I remember going one night to my youth pastor. 
So I couldn't speak. I, I, I couldn't get it out. I, I was no good. I couldn't, I couldn't share in front of a classroom. I would just freeze up. Nothing would come out of my mouth. And I went to this guy. Now, remember, I'm 21 now, and I'm still stammering like crazy. And I went to his place one night, and I remember he spoke to me. I don't even know what he spoke to me about. But all I know is, in fact, he didn't even pray some incredible prayer over me. But I remember when I walked out of his house, all my life, 21 years of my life, or 22 years by then, all my life I had stammered. I I could not speak anything without stammering. And when I walked out of his house, from that moment on, I never stammered ever again in my whole life. I can't explain it to you, but one thing I know is that fear will cripple you, and the devil wants you to be afraid. And the reality is this, if we know who we are in Christ and we start to pray like people who know who we are in the Lord, and we start to understand what our authority is in Christ, miracles will start to happen around about us. There's a story about a persistent widow in the Bible. And she goes to an unjust judge. And it's like she keeps knocking on the door, bashing on the door. And the judge is like getting sick of her. And he, he keeps ignoring her. And finally, just by her persistence, he finally does what she wants to do. Now, I used to think when I'd look at that scripture, I'd think that that was God. So if I just keep bashing on God's door, then finally God's going to hear me. I'm going to wear him down. I'm going to change his mind. And something's going to happen. But you know what? In this story... The judge is not representative of God. In fact, the story even says that the judge himself says that he did not fear God or care about men. So this is not about God. This is about the devil himself. And, you know, sometimes we're trying to wear down God, but the reality is we need to understand something about God. And this is what even, even what the unjust judge says. He says, He says this, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you this, listen to this. He will see they get justice and quickly. You don't have to wear God down. You don't have to wear, you just have to speak the word and God will move. God will do powerful things. We need to understand this authority that we have in God. I remember our daughter, uh, Sarah, when she was a little girl, she was only four or five years of age. And we had, these, uh, we had these birds. We had these lovebirds. Anyone ever had a lovebird? They are not loving at all. They're vicious little creatures. They're like creatures of the night that want to sort of pluck your eyeballs out. You know, the, we, had, we had some bad experiences, you know. But anyway, this, this, little, this little lovebird, its name was Hubcap. Um, we pretty well named all of our lovebirds after car parts. Hubcap, mudflap, you know, just went on. Hubcap was sitting on my wife's shoulder one day. She walked outside forgetting the bird was sitting on her shoulder and the bird flew away. I was actually quite happy about it. (laughs) But my daughter was devastated. Hubcap has flown away. She says, Daddy, can we please pray? Can we believe that Hubcap will come back again? I'm sort of half-hearted praying, but she prayed authority. She believed in God. And God, bring you know, a little Hubcap back and whatever. Anyway, three days later, I'm outside, and Hubcap comes walking up the driveway. <laughs> three days later, walking up. Got a little stick over the shoulder, a little bag hanging off the back with all of its possessions in it, you know. Walking up, I, I added that bit on, walking up the driveway. And Sarah's like, see, thank God answers prayer. I said, I know, I know, I know. It's fantastic, you know, it's very good. 
But you know, every single one of us are going to have situations in our life. And I'm sharing this message with you today because there's an application for us. I, I just want to share one last story before we, before we wrap it up here today. Talking about my, my daughter, Sarah. When, when she was pregnant with our first grandchild, uh, and we went to the hospital. It was the most exciting time. If you've ever, you know, I, I mean, like, like as, as a husband, when my wife would go and have our children, I would be there with her holding her hand, but I'd have my head between my legs because I felt like vomiting at the same time, you know. <laughs> I remember one day I'm, I'm like this, and the nurse says, where's your husband? And she says, oh, he's down there. <laughs> So we're there, but we're elated because, you know, Tyson's been born, this little baby. The baby's put in my hands. It's like, go and wash your grandchild. It's like, really? I don't know. I'm glad I didn't drop him anyway. But, but anyway, so, so we're, Karen and I are so excited. But all of a sudden, the doctor says there's a problem. We looked over at our daughter. She was still over on this barouche there. And when we looked over, it was like her face was gray. She nearly died. She actually bled right out. In fact, she bled out three times through that night, totally bled out three times. They had to keep doing transfusion through her. They, they, they called a code blue. They were rushing out of place. The doctor came up to us and says, there is a critical situation. Said, your daughter could die right now. What happened is that when our, when our little grandson was born and uh, uh, th- it, there was a problem where, whereby the, 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 uh, uh, the placenta was stuck uh, through the uterus to the point where the uterus became inverted and almost came completely out of her. And it was a, tr- it was a terrible situation, a, a very bad situation. The doctors held her physically together for over six hours through that night. My wife uh, and one of our pastors that was there uh, said, please, we've got to pray. So they went off to the prayer room. And, and as they went off to the prayer room, my, my, my wife started to pray. But, you know, there's a separate little story in this in her prayer. Because uh, as my wife was coming to God, she, it was almost like Karen, Karen was saying to God, she says, don't let my daughter die. You know, in, in fact, she said to God, she says, you know, look, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know God, you know, slay me, you know. Uh, at the end of the day, it was not that she wanted her life to be taken away, but she was really coming to God. And, and she was saying, God, if you slay me, still I'm going to trust you. It was like one of those side things that was happening there, but she was in the prayer room. She's praying, God, just just you know, cause my daughter to come through this. Don't let her die. But as she said this to God, she says, God, you know, if you slay me, still I will trust you. And God said this to her. This is her story. But God said, what if I slay your daughter? It makes no sense right now to even share this story with you. But what if I slay your daughter and she said to God God even if you slay my daughter I will still trust you sometimes the thing we're praying for God's trying to sort something out in us as well at the same time the next morning the doctors came and they spoke to us and they said your daughter should have died last night but God has done a miracle in her Said so we've never had another case like this, this situation that's taken place. But God made sure the only doctor in Australia right now that could deal with this situation was in this hospital at the very same time. And our, our daughter lived through that. But the story doesn't stop there. Because you'd think like, okay, praise God. God acted. God responded to that, to our prayers at this time. But then beyond that, a little while later, another year or two later, there were situations that were developing with our daughter where, where it was very painful to the point where it's like she, she went out of our life for a while, for at least two years. I never saw my daughter. It's a very painful situation. There was a person that came into her life, and, I would, and, and honestly, I would just say an evil person came into her life. And this person tried to snatch her away from our family, tried to poison her against our family, and, and was very manipulative in the situation. 
My wife and I, we would pray and we would just claim that God would do something. In fact, we felt a little bit like the story of the prodigal where, where we couldn't really chase after her. We had to wait for her to come back and it was a very painful situation and circumstance. But, you know, we just prayed. We prayed with authority. And we said, God, reveal the nature of this person. Let the light shine. Let the darkness be seen. Let the darkness be dispelled. Reveal what's happening here. And we would speak with authority. And that's exactly what God, God did to the point where this person ended up in prison as a result. I can't tell you the story. That's my, my daughter's story. Except for to say that when we prayed and we believed God, God actually did. He worked behind the scenes to make sure that this evil was revealed. And I remember the day, you know, I, I was at the Sydney airport and, and, and when, when, our, when our daughter was estranged from us, uh, I would see fathers with their little daughters. And I don't know why it was usually a father with a little daughter of only four or five years old or whatever. And I, I would see those situations and circumstances. And I remember this happened in Sydney as I looked over. And it was like just in my heart, my heart was breaking to see my daughter again. And, I, and this situation happened. And I remember as I looked at this father with this little girl, I, I started to cry. Now, my wife, if she was here, she would say, I've never seen you cry. I don't cry very easy. If I poke myself in the eyeballs enough, I cry. I said to her the other day, but I do glaze over a bit. I don't know if there's any others like, maybe I was told when I was a little boy not to cry. I don't know. But, but you know, but I would see that and it would break my heart. But I would still then rise up with a prayer of authority and say, God, reveal that which is what this person is doing, God. Reveal this thing. Let it be exposed to the light. Let our daughter see what is happening. And the day came. This guy ended up being put in prison. And I remember my daughter, she rang me up. I hadn't heard from her for a long time. Can we meet, Dad? I met her down at the, at the, at the foreshore of Williamstown in Melbourne. We met down there, and I just remember, God. Our daughter's back with the Lord, back in relationship with us. It was like God did an amazing miracle. But, you know, sometimes you just got to hang in there and believe God and pray and not give up. And I want to speak to you today and I want to say, if you've got a situation in your life which needs to be turned around, don't just wait for God. You need to pray to God. We need to declare, we need to speak what God wants to do in and through our situations. Amen. Hallelujah, God. You are so good. You are so good. Let's all stand up right now. I sense it in my heart right now. Maybe you've had some situation and you haven't been praying about it, or maybe you've been praying about it in the wrong way. I'm saying it's time to pray the prayer of authority. It's time to speak the prayer of authority. It's time to believe God in your situation. Believe God in your circumstance. Can you lift your hands up to heaven right now? Let's do that right now. Oh God, I pray for everyone in this building right now. Whatever it is they're going through, Lord, whether it's a relationship, maybe it's finances, maybe it's business, Lord God, maybe it's health related, Lord, whatever's happening, Lord God, something's going on, maybe they've lost a loved one, whatever the situation is right now, I pray, Lord God, Lord, speak into hearts and lives right now, Lord, and let people see, Lord, a miracle in Jesus' name. But also, Lord, let there come, Lord, a, a new strength, Lord, a new authority, Lord, in their heart and spirit. That as they begin to pray, as they begin to speak to you, Lord God, that they will see you at work. They will see you moving in their life, Lord God. I speak miracles in this place right now. Miracles around this building right now. Miracles in Jesus' 
glorious name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah.